This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome back to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Nate Aiken and John Aiken here as we continue looking at heroes of the Old Testament, popular figures, well-known figures of the Old Testament, and showing how they point to Christ. We've already covered Noah, and then this week we're going to cover uh, the story of Joseph and look at at the life of Joseph. So, John, uh, let's start there. Where where do you find this in the text? Give kind of an overview of Joseph's life, um, and then we'll talk through some Christ-centered application and, and things like that. Yeah, I think the main text is... Genesis 37 through 50 is the Joseph narrative. And there's some things interspersed in there with Judah and some others. Uh, but yeah, Genesis 37 through 50 is the main text. And you've got this, um, you know, Jacob has 12 sons and, uh, and Joseph is the favorite who has the coat of many colors. And how, however, that, that is a textual issue on exactly how you translate that. But um and he's he's the favorite, and so, you know, long story made short, they choose to instead of killing him, which some wanted wanted to do, they sell him into slavery. He mm. ends up as a slave in Egypt, and then is maintains his virtue, uh, and and maintains his purity when uh, the man that he works for, Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, tries to um, basically entrap him. And um, he he flees out of the house naked and is falsely accused, ends up in jail for a number of years. And but God gives him favor. He's everywhere he goes. uh, He is the Lord is with him Mm. and the Lord gives him favor and he rises in the ranks. So at Potiphar's house, he's he's risen to be over basically all of the affairs of Potiphar's house. In jail, he's given uh, favor to be able to. interpret dreams and visions and uh and does that for um somebody and then that that person who's supposed to remember them before remember him before pharaoh doesn't for a number of years but then finally when pharaoh has a dream and uh, doesn't know what it means and is freaking out then this guy's reminded okay i know this guy joseph who can interpret dreams and so he's brought before pharaoh he interprets the dream and basically this is a vision that the lord has given that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of, of famine. And Joseph um, comes up with a plan on how to maximize the seven years of plenty and store up uh, food and provisions so that during the seven years of famine, they are saved and they are rescued. And it helps Egypt become very powerful and people come from all over the world uh, because of Egypt's provisions and are saved. And at the end of the story, uh, Joseph's own family, his his family seeks refuge in Egypt because of famine in the promised land of Canaan, and uh, they are they are rescued. And um, 
there's a whole, there's a whole lot that goes into it with him um, keeping his brother captive and and planting something on his brothers and all all these different things and uh, but eventually he is revealed to his brothers and there's uh, weeping and and those kinds of things and then he gets he gets to see his father again before his father passes and then when his father passes his brothers think okay now he's going to turn on us it's kind of like the Godfather <laughs> now that now that the the you know the parent is dead he's going to seek his vengeance and the end of the story is basically joseph uh telling them i I forgive you and um and what you meant for evil the lord meant for good to save many lives and so he he sees the providence of god and how god has used all of this to preserve the line of abraham and to preserve the line of the messiah and it also fulfills the dream that daniel that i mean that joseph had been given at the beginning of his life that his uh, parents and his brothers would bow down to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do see that happening as well. They didn't like, yeah, um, that's good. So, all right, let's talk through any, any textual issues. Um, you mentioned the code of many colors, anything there, also anything pertaining to Potiphar's wife or any other aspects of his life that would be textual issues to deal with. I do think that you have, uh, there, there are probably many, but I don't want to get into some of those. You do have questions about, there is a kind of a blip in the story where it then focuses in on Judah and Judah, how, um, again, not to get too far in the weeds here, but he has sons uh, who die and so they don't produce an heir. And um, and then because his sons are dying because of this specific daughter-in-law, uh, Tamar, then he um, holds back. A, a younger son from her, and then she dresses up as a prostitute, and he sleeps with her, and and then she uh, has children as a result of that, and um, and it actually is the line of the Messiah, which is just a that's an amazing story we can get into at some point, but it is juxtaposed his unfaithfulness is juxtaposed to Joseph's faithfulness and the way Joseph maintains his integrity. Uh, in terms of sexual purity, and um, but it is also a reminder that the line of the Messiah is not, you know, is is in its in and of itself is demonstrating to us the grace of God because you have Jacob, right. the patriarch, who, um, and this is one of the stories that's just crazy to me, right? When when um, Isaac is dying. And the the question of of him giving the blessing to Esau, and then and then Jacob's mother helps cook up this deception where Esau is going out to look for game, and then Jacob dresses up as Esau with with furs on himself and all this stuff, and Jacob basically asks, "Is that is that you? You know my son and and Esau?" And Jacob says, "Yeah," and so he lies to him, right? And then he gives him the the supposed game that he had hunted. And and uh, Isaac's like, well, how did you get this so quickly? And and then Jacob says, because the Lord gave me favor. And so he's he's not only lying, he's blaspheming, and he gets the blessing, and he's the one who carries on the messianic line. But but it is it is the grace of God and the kindness of God in in uh, Jacob's life that brings about um, that brings about repentance and it brings about a change. And then at the end in the Joseph story, Judah. Uh, this man who who is who's compromised his virtue offers his life 
in exchange for his brother. And, um, and just as Jesus from the tribe of Judah is going to offer his life in exchange for us. And so, uh, so those are some interesting connections that you see in the story. That'll preach. Any, you had mentioned the coat of many colors. What's the, what are some of the questions there around, um, how that should be translated and it's just yeah just specifically how it's supposed to be translated i mean that code of many colors is a best guesstimate it's just it's just something that don't know exactly this podcast is generously supported by the jesus bible niv edition zonovan bibles has partnered with the passion movement to bring you an accessible study bible with features designed to help you meet jesus throughout the scripture with over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like louis giglio john piper and randy alcorn This study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017, and now select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before him. There will never be a moment without him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. All right, so this is one. First, if you pre- you haven't preached this. Uh, I, I don't think I have ever preached it. Uh, no, I've assigned it in preaching classes. Okay. If you were to preach it, how many sermons would you do from 37th? That's a great question. Um, there are times where if I was preaching through Genesis, I might preach it in one or two sermons. Mm-hmm. And then if I was taking Joseph's life as it, which some people do as its own sermon series, where I would probably do, you know, six or seven. Okay. Good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, do 13 different ones, 13 different installments, but I would try to, um, you know, break it out a little bit so you can see the movement from, uh, him with his family in the land of, of, of promise to then him in Potiphar's house. Right. Uh, DA Carson has a great sermon online that you can find on, um, the, the, him maintaining his, his purity with Potiphar's, um, wife. And I think it's a, it's a really helpful sermon and a really good example of how to do biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And then I would do, uh, a sermon like in prison and then a sermon in Pharaoh's house and a sermon, in terms of preparing for famine, those kind of things. So I'd, I'd probably break it out into about six or seven. Any textual issues on in the Potter's wife, uh, Potiphar's wife story? Uh, not any that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, now, this is a story. So we would consider ourselves, we've talked about this in the early, early episodes of this podcast. We would consider ourselves maximalists on the kind of Christocentric, hermeneutic, Christ-centered right. uh, spectrum. We would consider ourselves maximalists. This is a story where you've been told in the past that, that Joseph is not a type of Christ. What do you say to that? Yeah, so it, it is one of those ones in seminary where people would point to it and say, well, the New Testament never says Joseph is a type of Christ, so you can't say it. And I would just say well, that, one, is not exactly true, and, and two, it's just rubbish. Um, I would say- <laughs> To quote like, Jeff Hay. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, I don't have an Irish accent, but- so, so one, you have a guy who- is betrayed by those closest to him for silver, uh, suffers unjustly, okay, uh, in captivity, and then through that is exalted to to save lives and to reign over the most of the known world at that time. Um, and so, who does that? Who does that? Like this idea of what you meant for evil, God meant for good, for the saving of many lives. Like yeah. who does that point to? Yeah. 
points to Jesus, obviously, and what Jesus has done for us. And then in that, he forgives the very people who wronged him. Right. And so, you know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Like, like his whole life is a paradigm, a type of the unjust sufferer that is vindicated by God and used by God to rescue lives. Uh, And so that clearly points to Jesus. And then I do think Stephen's sermon in Acts um, 6, 7, uh, leading up to... But you have preached that. I have preached that. Leading up to his execution at the beginning of chapter 8, or the end of chapter 7, and then then what happens as a result at the beginning of chapter 8. But uh, Stephen lays out in that sermon a paradigm, a fourfold paradigm, of the way that God works in the world to rescue um, his people. And that fourfold pattern is, one, God raises up a Savior. Two, he's rejected by the Jews. Three, he's embraced by the Gentiles. And then four, he saves the Jews. And so that that fourfold pattern we see over and over again. And so Stephen, Moses. Yeah, Stephen points yep. out specifically Moses yep. and how, you know, Moses um, is the one raised up as a savior. He's rejected by his his kinsmen. And you have this encounter where um, he's killed this Egyptian who was who was, you know, persecuting a Jew. And then the the he sees a dispute between two Jewish people and he confronts. And the one guy says, are you going to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian? And, and Stephen is even saying there in Acts 7 that they didn't know that, that, the, that the Lord had made him like their like ruler yeah. over them. And, um, and so he leaves and he goes out into Midian and he's accepted by the Gentiles. And then he comes back and you have the Exodus and he, he rescues the Jews. And then Stephen points to Joseph uh, as another example of this and uh, how he's being raised up. He's rejected by his brothers. Accepted in in Egypt, shown great favor, rescues them, and then he saves the Jews, and the promise is carried forward. And Stephen doesn't mention this specifically, but you see this happen in David's life as well. David's raised up as the new king, rejected by Saul, spends time in the land of the Philistines, right. okay, before he comes back as king of the Jews. And then I think you see this with Jesus, and uh, and and how Paul ta- is talking about in Romans nine and so forth about, um, and then eleven. That the the vine that the Jews were broken off, the Gentiles are grafted back in. At some point in the future, Jews are going to be grafted back in. There's going to be a revival among the Jews, uh, and so this pattern plays out in human history. And so, and so, this is a spirit inspired sermon that Stephen is giving that helps us understand what the Joseph story is about. Yeah, and I guess I mean, you've already kind of given us the Christ centered connection for, with Joseph's mm-hmm. life. Anything else you would kind of add on the Christ centered connection, and then we'll we'll kind of end with application. No, I, I just think, I, I do think that um, as we think about merging from Christ-centered interpretation into application is that this idea of the righteous sufferer, that that clearly when you preach this these texts, this is a man who's treated unfairly, this is a man who gets a raw deal, um, n- not any of us would necessarily volunteer to be a Joseph, right? Um, but but he does he does point us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In how Christ suffers for us, and then it and it does become uh, a paradigmatic for us as we think about being Christians, anointed with and filled with the same Spirit as Jesus. Okay, how that's going to start playing out in our lives? Anything else you'd say about Joseph's story? I mean, I, we talked about in the 
Noah won some some helpful commentaries, but anything else you'd add there or resources for help? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would I would go to the same Genesis commentaries that we mentioned before. Um, the D.A. Carson sermon you the mentioned. The D.A. Carson sermon I think would be a really helpful one. Um, and then just in terms, yeah, in terms of application, I, I think you're going to have um, applications going to be how do you suffer well, yep. trusting in the sovereignty of God, and um, and trusting in the vindications of yep. God, the vindication of God as, as he vindicated Christ, he's going to vindicate you. I think forgiveness of your enemies mm-hmm. is a clear application. Yep. That you're gonna you're gonna talk through and and how, um, you know Joseph's not sweeping this under the rug and he's just saying oh it's no big deal but he's saying I, I see how God's using this in his in his bigger plan and and I I trust him mm. and and so because I trust him I'm letting it go and um and I think we we've got to be that kind of people as Christians and then I do think that the Potiphar story there's a lot there in terms of um you know some of the specific statements that he makes and he just says, I, I cannot commit this evil, you know, and I, and I can't sin against my, my Lord. And, um, and, and so I think in terms of fighting for purity, even when it seems unfair hmm. and what happens oftentimes is, and, and this is, this is true of single people and married people oftentimes in, in pastoral counseling, um, sexual sin will be excused by some, well, uh, I know doing this isn't specifically right, but here's what's happening in my life. Here's what my spouse is doing to me. Here's what, and so I have some kind of, it's that, as if people act like they have some kind of right to it or whatever. And, and if anybody could have made that excuse, it was Joseph. And uh, he doesn't, he says, no, this is evil in the sight of the Lord and I, I can't do it. Uh, and so it's, it's very instructive for us. That's good. We will continue this series. We'll probably look at the, the life of Moses next. And again, we're going to be looking at uh, later on uh, this year, looking at Jonah. And so questions about uh, Jonah, please send them our way. Also, just if there's an obscure, we're, we're going through kind of the well-known figures of the Old Testament and showing how they point to Christ. But if there's an obscure one that you would want us to tackle, uh, email us, Clear at gmail.com. We'd love to uh, to hear from you and, and tackle maybe a, a more obscure uh, character. Uh, so. Thanks for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.